learning important messages about marriage and parenting. Here is Pastor Dale and Terry O'Shields. How many of you uh, perhaps haven't yet met my wife, Terry? She's around the church, does so many different things as a part of our church ministry and so grateful for her. But she's gonna be with us today talking about a very important topic. So honey, talk about uh, what we're gonna talk about today. Okay, well, we did have some people send us in some questions for uh, parenting and and also about our marriage, which um, uh, you and I both know that we're not perfect at either one of those. Yeah, let me start by saying that, honey, because I think as we talk today about parenting, marriage, family, those kind of things, it's very important to realize something from the get-go, to understand that there are no perfect marriages, there's no perfect family, uh, there's no perfect people, because, because we're imperfect as people, no perfect kids. And I think a lot of people have this myth, this idea that one day our family is gonna be perfect, one day my marriage is gonna be perfect and great. No, it can get better, your family can get better, but it's never gonna be perfect. There's going to always be things and challenges. In fact, my wife and I had a disagreement this past week, and, and it took me a while. Wrong. No, it <laughs> took me a while to convince her how right I was. But uh, but, I, but uh, today, at least it's Mother's Day. I'll acknowledge you were right, honey, Thank in, you, in honey. that argument yes. that we had. Uh -huh. But we want to talk about it today. We want to set you at ease to realize that what we're talking about are things we are not that we have learned. Things that we are learning. Okay, mm -hmm. this is a process of learning. And so we've been married for 43 years. And uh, tell about the family, honey. Yes, yes. So we got married when we were very young, as you probably realize if we've been married for 43 years. I think we were, what, 10 or 12 when we got married? So, <laughs> Something like yeah. that. But uh, anyway, we have two grown daughters, mm -hmm. Christy and Jessica, and um, they are married, and they're all a part of our church family. Yes. We have seven grandchildren. Beautiful grandchildren. Beautiful grandchildren. So we're- 13 down to three. Three, that's right. That's right. So, um, so we have- a little bit of, um, I would say, a little bit of experience of being parents. At least a lot of years to make mistakes. A lot of years to make mistakes and try to make it right. So right. Um, one thing I will say is you and I both were blessed with good um, shoulders to stand on. Yes, absolutely. Your, your parents were pastors, and my parents uh, were very dedicated to the church, everything but pastors. Mm -hmm. And so they loved the Lord. They loved the church. Yes. And uh, so we were blessed, both of us, to grow up in Christian homes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thankful for our parents and the impact that they had upon our lives and uh, uh, so appreciative of that. So we got some questions that people sent to us. Yes. Why don't we just dive into a few of them and okay. we're going to talk and see where it leads us and uh, just be in the living room uh, with us. We're right here in, in our den, in our home. And so uh, we want you to come into the den with us. Let's just have a little bit of a conversation together about uh, what's happening in homes and families and some of the things that we are learning in the process. Okay. I think one that, that is important, something that you and I didn't have to really deal with when our kids were smaller 30 40 years ago is the thing with social media mm -hmm. and how that's impacting families it's actually impacting lives yes right um, we're, it, that's something that is it can be dangerous mm -hmm. but it's also something that can be used for good yes. and it's finding that balance what can parents do with social media, it distracts from family time, yes. mm -hmm. it distracts from communication. Yes. Um, what, what would you suggest? Well, that, obviously that's a lot that we could talk about there, a lot of different elements to it. So I'm actually just gonna bring up one because we have so many questions to mm -hmm. cover today. And I think was, this is probably the most important thing. And it really it doesn't start with your children, parents, it starts with you, it starts with us as adults. I think all of us have this tendency as we're going through life is to live with this attached to our hand, okay? 
And so we're looking at text messages, we're uh, engaged in different aspects of the technology. And so what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to and to, to, to develop some self-control ourselves, mm -hmm. to know how to take this and actually lay it down, turn it over so that we're not looking at it or paying attention to it, especially during meal times or times when we need to have a conversation mm -hmm. together about something and just learning the principle of self-control. Your kids aren't gonna learn it unless you learn it. That's mm -hmm. I think of important, any aspect of your parenting, if you're telling them to do something but you're not setting the example, mm -hmm. it's gonna be very difficult for them to learn it. So give them some guidance when it comes to teaching them about self-control. Self-control is about managing your life, managing your time. We may even come back to that in a moment about some other things we'll talk about, but it's valuable to learn self-control. Yeah, I think it also represents respect when you uh, put down the phone and give yes. people around you your attention. If you're focused on your phone when you're in a group, I, I think it's a little disrespectful Absolutely, at times. No, absolutely, yeah. totally. Because you're actually not having a conversation with the person, you're having a, a you, you may be engaging at some level, but your mind is distracted. And so it's putting a value on, on relationships, mm. setting some limits, and then making sure that you set the example. Exactly. Okay, honey, uh, one question here is, what has been the most difficult season of your marriage so far, and how did you work through it? Wow, difficult season of your marriage. And it's been said that the first 25 years yeah. of marriage is the hardest, okay? Uh, now, we're not necessarily subscribing to that, but what I want you want to say is this, and then you can add your, 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 your perspective as well. Uh, I think when I look back over our life, we've been married for 43 years now, and um, basically been in ministry uh, all those years, okay, 43 years in different elements, different aspects of ministry. Uh, and you say, what is the most difficult? I don't think, I never look back and say, that was the most mm -hmm. difficult time. I'm glad I got through that. Mm -hmm. Now, life is not like that. Life is a series of difficulties, okay? Mm -hmm. I have a prophetic word for you today if you're ready for this. Life is hard, okay? Yeah. That's why we're looking forward to heaven because life is challenging here. Jesus said, when you're in the world, you're gonna suffer tribulation and trouble. So the issue is not what was the toughest season, it's what you learn through your seasons, okay? Because you're gonna, whatever tough season you're going through right now in your life, you're gonna come out of it and there'll be something else down the road there's always something that you're having to deal with in life. You never arrive, right? right, right. We've in 43 years of ministry, 43 years of marriage, we've never arrived at a place mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, now we're there. Okay, yeah. everything's going to be peaceful from this mm -hmm. point. There's always something. Mm -hmm. And so don't think in terms of someday I'm going to get there. Okay, I think we live in the there without living in the here. Okay, and so your real challenge, my real challenge, our real challenge is how do we navigate right where we are in the here so that when we get to there, we'll be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we we grow in our relationship over time. We learn things, hopefully, through some difficult seasons. Yes. We learn how to communicate better. Yes. We learn mm -hmm. how to um, to address things differently than we did before. We learn, and we'll talk about this later, about each other more. Yes, right. And so that helps us to grow, um, but it doesn't stop difficult times from coming. There's even, uh, when someone has asked me before, what's the most difficult time of parenting? I say all of them, mm -hmm. you know, because you whatever season you're in, it's a new season for you. It's a new season for your family, whether they're a newborn baby, it's difficult. You're up all night, you get no sleep. Sleep, you get no rest when they're in uh, a toddler. They're all over the house. You're running after them. You can't keep them from pulling everything off, uh, you know, uh, 
unfolding your clothes after you just folded them. When they're in elementary school, there's all these little rifts and, and things that they're going through with their their uh, school friends, and then when you're in high school, there's there's all those challenges. All the teenage, so, teenage elements that comes into play. College, uh, they're on their own, and how do you deal with that? And then they're married adults. So there's always a season yes. that is, uh, if you want to call it difficult, or challenging to where you have to grow and learn mm-hmm. and stretch. And I think God uses those in our yes, life absolutely. to change us, yeah, yeah. you know? It, it, one of the things I'd say is don't ever think about so much what season am I in right now. Think about how am I growing right now, okay? Uh, and so, you know, when you first get married, it's the adjustments of that. How can I grow through this? Uh, and as she was saying, as the kids, if you have kids into your family, uh, how can I grow through grow through each season? Because if you're if you're growing through each season, you're better prepared for the next season. That's right. Maybe we'll just go ahead and piggyback off of that and talk mm-hmm. about our different types of personalities and love languages. Um, I would say for me, uh, I think my love language would be quality time and acts of service. Um, I enjoy spending time Mm -hmm. with those that I love. And um, so that's important to me. Uh, Honey, what would you say your... well, yeah, let me sort of segue into this by, by saying that, you know, this is part of the growth process is learning. When we first got married, we did we had very limited information in terms of uh, differences in personalities. And, you know, we didn't really get the benefit of really uh, strong premarital counseling. One thing I would say before you get married, it's really important to get uh, some good, strong premarital counseling to go through something like our prep for marriage class. But we didn't have any of that. Mm-mm. And so uh, we started having conflicts from the very beginning of our marriage because we were so very different. And uh, in terms of uh, my wife, her personality is more more extroverted. She energizes when she's around people. As for me, and this might surprise some of you, uh, I'm actually more introverted. I, I love people. It's not a matter of whether you love people or not. It's just that I energize by alone time. So I, if when I'm with people, I need some time to re- reflect and refresh. And so I don't have a problem spending time alone. Uh, and you can imagine if her love language is quality time and my in my inclination is time, getting some time alone to refresh. And so you can just see some of the dynamics that, that introduced into the relationship. And so when we learned a little bit about that and we learned that our personalities were different and we, that wasn't bad, okay, that's just different. And so we, we took the word bad away and we put the word different in there and we started understanding each other more and including our love languages, what what really fills her up and what fills me up. And so uh, I haven't thought too much about my love language. You might know more about that and you can share that if you'd like to. So. <laughs> I think one of your love languages is gift giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like to give gifts. You enjoy doing that. Yes. I think mm-hmm. another love language that you have is words of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with those? Yeah, I enjoy you know giving gifts. I love to find something that somebody really wants or has desired for. And if I have the ability to do so, giving mm-hmm. something to them that I love to see the expression on their face that brings a sense of, of fulfillment to me. I certainly enjoy and appreciate words of encouragement. We've had to learn in terms of what really speaks love to each other and mm-hmm. trying to find that way to provide because the tendency that you have is to give other people what you want to get, right. okay? Right. And so uh, you, you you relate to other 
other people out of the context of your own love language. And so you have to get outside of that and realize that, that I've got to find out what my spouse really appreciates because what I appreciate may be different than they, what they appreciate. And the way that I communicate love to them is by getting into their world, not asking them to come into my world. Right, right. Good, honey. Well, another question is uh, for single ladies, what is one thing we can do now that will help us to prepare for motherhood one day? Yeah, I think that uh, I'm just going to kind of touch on one element of this, and, and then we can we have so many questions here that we mm-hmm. can go to, and uh, you can piggyback on this if you'd like to, honey. I think the biggest thing uh, to prepare for anything in life, if you're single, you want to one day be a great mom, okay? Well, obviously, it's going to the marriage is going to be as a, a part of that more than likely, and then being a mom is a part of that that goal that you have. The key is to become the best version of you that you can be right now. Don't worry about one day I'm gonna be a mom. No, think about what what what's the best version of me that I can be? Because God only made one of you and he, he knows all that you've gone through in your life. He knows who you are and he cares deeply about you and he wants to help you right now I think so So often, as we mentioned a moment ago, we want to get ahead of ourselves. And the best way to get ready for the future is to use your now mm-hmm. most effectively. Mm-hmm. Use your now serving. Use your now growing. Mm-hmm. Use your now becoming the best version of you because there's something called the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. The law of attraction is you attract what you are, okay? Mm-hmm. So the, 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 more, uh, the better version of you that you are, the better people you're going to attract in your life and the better job you're going to do in terms of whatever it is that, that comes your way in the future. Mm-hmm. I think uh, what you could do now as a, as a single um, uh, lady would be to invest in other children. Yeah. You know, find, um, work in the children's ministry, work, uh, um, find a family that you could help some time with their kids, spend some quality time yes. with other children. You can invest in them. You bless a family. You'd probably make a difference in someone else's life. Absolutely. Just giving that one-on-one time because you do have a little more extra time than maybe the parents would have, and it would bless that child to invest in them. Absolutely. So good. So very good. Yeah. Okay. So here's one. How do you have a successful balance between home, <laughs> work, marriage and life in general? Wow, that's a big question that we could actually, probably I could do a whole series on, okay? True, yeah. Um, but I wanna just kind of hit it in a, in a clear kind of, right, go to the bullseye just for a moment. The key word in that, that question, how do you have a successful balance between, okay, here's where I wanna start. There is no such thing as balance in life, okay? Just kind of get that word out of your, your, your vocabulary. Life isn't balanced. You can't balance it. In fact, when you try to balance life, you actually stress over life because I'm working hard to give as much time to this as that. Life is a, is a flow, okay? Mm. Life is a flow. And so you don't balance life. Think about it. We've been in ministry for 43 years and even in, 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 as we continue now, each year has its own flow, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we come around the beginning of the school year and there's a massive flow with ministry start. Then we go into Easter, excuse me, Christmas, and then Easter, and we have all these different flow points. So life is more intense at certain points and less intense at others. And so that's the way your life is gonna be. And so I would encourage you to throw away the word balance. You're never gonna be balanced. 
but you can be managed, okay? Mm -hmm. Life is not meant to be balanced. Life is meant to be managed. And mm -hmm. so you manage things by where you give your time, your treasure, your talents. And so mm -hmm. where what's the most important place for me to give my time right now, my treasure, my talents? And once you manage those three resources, those are the only three resources you have in your life. So that kind of simplifies things. I'm managing my time, my treasure, that's my financial resources, and my talent, and I manage them in the most strategic point at strategic times. And I think that, that takes a lot of stress away from you when you begin to think in terms of management instead of, instead of balancing. Yeah, yeah, I think we also need to remember the important principle of, of observing the Sabbath, the Sabbath which is absolutely. a day of rest or having a day off together. That's something that you and I have been pretty good at trying to do yeah. mm -hmm. in all of our married lives, yes. have a day off together. Exactly, yeah. So. At least uh, some section of time each week where you where you unplug, you pull away. Mm -hmm. uh, as one author said, my wife read a book several years ago about this principle, and he says the word Sabbath really is a word that represents pause, okay? Right. Just to put a pause on things that you normally do and uh, just put yourself back in a place of trusting God. Trusting God yeah. is the whole thing about Sabbath. Yes. yes. Okay, uh, what are some good parenting principles? Wow, parenting principles there. I think, um, uh, I, I, here's the ones that, that I, I think of. I think of affirmation, your children need affirmation. They need to know that you love them uh, no matter what. Okay, it doesn't mean that you approve of everything that they do, but you love them uh, consistently no matter what. Okay, I think discipline is a key mm -hmm. part. I'll say this, parents, you need to understand that you're in charge of your kids, okay? That you have responsibility to train them up, to guide them in the way that they should go. And so that represents a sense of discipline. I don't mean harsh discipline or mean discipline. I'm talking about just making sure that you are giving them some consequences for wrong behavior, mm -hmm. not only behavior, but wrong uh, attitudes, attitudes as yeah. well. And so that you're and that you're consistent in that that you're that that you're not sort of one day uh, on with discipline and the next day off that right. gives them the wrong message and so affirmation even Jesus received the affirmation of his father when True. he was yeah. baptized and came up out of the waters father said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased I think affection is extremely yes. important your children need to be embraced they need to feel the warmth of your love and your embrace around them and I just think that just being involved in their life and making sure they know that you care about them these are just very basic things, right. but they're the things that really make the heart of, of a relationship with your children. And here's a key to remember. You want to build relationships with your children. Mm -hmm. and that includes discipline and all those processes, but you don't want to just give them rules, okay? Yeah. Yeah, because rules without relationship, I think it was Josh McDowell that said this, rules without relationship will produce rebellion, okay? Mm. What you want is rules with relationships. And so your relation, your rules are not just coming out of the out of the blue, but they're, they're coming out of a sense your child knows that you cares about them. They may not always appreciate the rules, uh, but they know that you love them. Yes, also maybe some uh, spiritual principles and guidelines. You know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about impress these principles upon our children, and we talk about them as we go out and as we come in, as mm -hmm. we lie down and as we rise up. And so those are spiritual principles yes. that we teach our children. It's not just a Sunday thing. Right. It's a, a daily life thing. So our kids will see us yeah. reading the Bible. They see us praying. They see us praying with them when they have a difficulty. We're teaching them God's principles. Yes. We're teaching them to love God, to go to God, for anything that they need. And so that 
impresses upon them. It makes an impression upon their life and yeah. it helps them. Actually, the word impression in and of itself means to, when you say that person is really impresses me, what you're doing is you're looking at something in their life that actually is meaningful to you or teaching you something. And so how we live, and I'd just say this to, to all of us as, uh, as Christian believers, we don't wanna be Christian just in name only and just go to church. We wanna have Christian lives and Christian right. families mm -hmm. and Christian homes. It means that we live differently than the world around us. So uh, you, you, you wanna make a decision to say, our life and our family is gonna be different. Other people may not completely understand it. They may wonder why we're a little different because we, we don't do things that other people do, but you have a reason for that. The reason is because you're living according to God's word. You wanna please him and you're impressing that upon your kids. Yes, good. Yep. All right, well, let's look at another question here. Right. I think we have uh, a parent here who says, I'm raising a teen. What yep. can I do? Uh, when they don't do anything that I ask, and I'm afraid it's too late to yep. make a difference and turn this around. Yeah, no, it's not too late. It's never too late with, with a child. Uh, you have to change your strategies, though. Mm. Uh, when a, a child becomes a teenager, especially as they're entering into those teenage years, and it, something begins to happen in them where they're they're beginning to individuate. They're trying to become an individual themselves, mm -hmm. and, and you want that to happen mm -hmm. for them. You want them to grow up and be able to live life on their own, but the, at that point, oftentimes, the most important voice in their life becomes the voice of peers instead of the mm. voice of parents, okay? Mm. And so you have to begin that process of being, maybe changing your strategy a bit. Now, early teenage years, 13, 14, 15, maybe even 16, 17, in some way you still are, obviously you, right. you maintain that authoritative role in the sense that you establish consequences right. for their behavior. If they're not going to, uh, if they're not gonna co cooperate with you, right. then there are consequences right. that go along with it. And it's important to do that, but don't just have the consequences without the communication. You might say, well, my child doesn't communicate with mm -hmm. me. That's all right, they're still listening as mm -hmm. long as you're communicating the right way. Mm -hmm. You don't need to preach sermons at them. You don't need to get irritated all the time at them, mm -hmm. but just gently, carefully say, honey, we're trying to teach you this principle for your life. Mm -hmm. Now you violated that, there are gonna be some consequences, and this is what you're going to have to walk through to learn these lessons. The older they get, the less you can do that. And mm. so what you're doing is you're actually continuing that process of investing in them, creating consequences for behavior, and then the older they get, the more you let go and the role becomes, if they're not doing what exactly pleases you or more importantly, pleases God, then you, you're moving into that role of simply praying for them and letting them learn some lessons on their own. Yes, for all of us, we've had mm. to learn some lessons. <clears throat> if we go back, our parents told us about that, but we didn't listen. And so we had to learn the hard way. And so all of us learn by the University of Hard Knocks right. sometimes, and your kids will as well. Right, right, good, good. Okay, so here's a good one. How or what did you pray when you walked around blessing your house and home? Yeah, you know, I've talked about this a number of times in different messages, the importance of blessing your house. And uh, where we live is very important. If it's an apartment or a townhouse or a condo or single family home or a tent somewhere, where you live is where you spend important time. It should be a sanctuary for you. Mm -hmm. And for your house, your home, your environment to be, to have this sanctuary quality to it, you need the presence of God in your home. Now, obviously, if we have Jesus in our life, where we go, he goes, he's with mm -hmm. us, right? Mm -hmm. 
But at the same time, we need to establish a welcoming presence of God in our lives by invoking his presence, inviting him in. And sometimes we can do that by simply blessing our houses, by uh, declaring God's word and God's promises over our homes. In fact, over the years, we've done that uh, in the different places that we've lived. Uh, sometimes I'll do that when I walk into a hotel room. You know, mm, if I'm going to yeah. be there for a day or right. two, I was like, I don't know what's been here before, right. but I'm going to welcome God's presence exactly. into this place while I'm here. Yeah. So talk about how we've done that. Yeah, we have uh, different homes that we've been at. Maybe we have felt a, a, an attack on our children or on us or uh, maybe even our property. Maybe there were things that were breaking apart on a regular basis and we're thinking, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> and we would walk through our home and read Psalm 91, just carrying our Bible. My husband may be on the first floor, I may be on the second floor, but just walking through the house, reading Psalm 91. There's plenty exactly. of Psalms to declare over your home. Yes. And I think it's also important uh, what you let in your house and what you don't let in your house. And yeah. uh, Proverbs, it talks about a lizard is so small, yet it can enter into the king's palace. And uh, when I think about that, I think, our homes are the king's palace. Yes. We belong to the king, King Jesus, and yet we allow lizards into our home. They're yeah. little things that can get into our home that we don't even know about that come through our home. Yes. And so we have to get our house in order. Mm -hmm. We have to clean out all the lizards. We have to see where the holes are that the mm -hmm. lizards are getting in, what we're allowing, what influences yeah. through social media, through TV, through music, through some relationships we may have, those things that we're allowing in our home. So we want to uh, uh, not let some things in, but let God's presence in our home. If you went to your front door and somebody uh, knocked on your front door and you knew that they wanted to stay with you and you knew that if you allowed them to stay at your house, they were going to break up your marriage, they were going to turn your kids against you, mm -hmm. they were going to create all kind of disruption and bad things in your home, would you let them stay with you? Mm, no. no, you wouldn't. If you're a wise person, you say, no, I'm sorry, you can't stay at my house. Well, oftentimes what we don't realize is by what we're allowing through our television sets and through our computers and through our music and through these avenues, uh, we're actually letting, if you will, uh, influences in that affect our family. And so we, we, not, we don't wanna just pray over our house and bless our house. We wanna live under that covering by, by being careful what we let into our houses. So just grab your Bible and uh, walk through your house and read aloud Psalm 91. That's yeah. a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. Take a little bit of oil and anoint the doorpost of your house. Mm -hmm. uh, symbolically, you're saying this is the presence. This is the place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. It's, again, it's not magical. It's not mystical. It's just an outward expression of your faith and a, and a declaration of God's word over your life so that you're creating an environment that welcomes the presence of God. Anything else today before we wrap up? I think that's good, yeah. honey. We've got a whole yeah. bunch of other questions. Yeah. Here that we can't cover today. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. And I want to thank you for joining us. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God. And I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. 
Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.